And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out our weekly email where we're sharing action marketing tips, useful podcasts, free guides, bonus resources, and much, much more each and every Monday to start your week off with a bang. You can sign up over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, we've got Jason Varner. Jason's the founder over at Shift Marketing. He turns unknown businesses into worldwide brands. Jason, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? Awesome. It's great to be here. Cool, man. So looking forward to today's chat. It's been long in the coming, but we're going to be sharing how brands can utilize, how companies can utilize branding and what branding really means and how it can actually grow your sales revenue so with that said sir let's not beat around the bush i think a lot of companies as we were discussing off air have, have got a bit of a misconception when it comes to branding but to to set the path clear what does branding really mean so the way that we kind of define it at shift is branding is being known for something that people actually care about and really when we say people we mean your ideal customers and so I think a lot of, especially in the B2B world, when we talk brand, what tends to come to people's minds are it's a logo, it's fonts, it's colors. The more evolved kind of marketer tends to think it's a message or some kind of perception or feel. And while those are all aspects of a brand, a brand really is being known for something that people care about. And I've seen a lot of people tend to reference that Jeff Bezos quote of, you know, a brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And while that's kind of true, I think what happens is people then tend to think a brand is just something that people feel, that they perceive, that there's no strategy behind it. There's nothing you can really do to create a brand because it's what your customers say about you. And that's really, really false. So when we talk about brand there's there's actually three different terms here that tend to get thrown around equally and i i do it as well my business right. partner steph egger he yells at me frequently i actually did a, a linkedin post about this a few weeks ago that like brand is your business identity how you want to be perceived branding are the tactics you use to create that identity and brand strategy is that overall strategy of how you're going to create that identity, how you're going to develop it, and really how that's going to merge with your business strategy. And so a lot of times you have, um, I see this a lot from web, like web development teams where they're like, we'll build your website and your brand. And it's logo, fonts, colors, because that's really all they need to develop a website. And so people have this perception that a brand really is just a feeling, a perception when really a, a brand and really backing that up, building out a brand strategy is the foundation for a successful business. Um, you know, talking about, I talk about this all the time on LinkedIn. It is understanding your ideal customers. It's knowing what sets you apart, making you different, and then taking that, turning turning it into messaging, and then develop, developing touch points in your customer journey map so people know this is the experience that I'm going to have with you. 
all of it is needs to be and really should be very strategic if you want to help develop that right perception of your company. Got it. So with that said, let's let's throw you under a bus a little bit, Jason, as I like to do. Why okay. can't why can't a, a new business or startup just get put together? Let's say a half decent looking logo, get some fonts, like you said, put together some company colors. Perhaps they even go go push the boat out and get a branding guidelines kit created. Is that not good enough? Can they not then just stick a website up and start marketing? So the question, the, the answer I always give is yes and no. Like a lot of businesses do that. I'm going to just start with some colors and some, some fonts and logos, have a nice design, throw up a website and then hope people come to me. The problem, the problem with that, that kind of methodology here is that design and creating the right brand design really is a reflection of the strategy that you have. So what I mean by that is, let's say you're creating a business and you are going after a, like, let's say you're going after, I'll use Shift as an example, B2B companies, um, specifically B2B service companies that um, are either family owned or they are PC, VC funded. And so you're kind of going after either the owner or you're going after the marketer. If you don't know that, if you don't know who you're going after for this business, if you don't know those ideal customers, everything you build, the copy on the website isn't going to, isn't going to accurately communicate to them what, you, what you're providing, what you're selling, and really that benefit that you're giving them. And that's really where we see a lot of our clients coming to us is they've done that. They've had the brand design, they've thrown up a website, they put up messaging that they thought sounded, you know, sounded good to them. And then they're like, I'm spending a lot of marketing money, but nothing's converting. And as we start going through a brand strategy with them, we're like, yeah, because you want to target here, but you're writing messaging for these people. And so the right clients are not coming through seeing the benefit you provide. You're talking about, you're going to optimize their revenue and they're like, that. what does that even mean? Like, what does yeah. it mean if I work with you? How are you going to do this? What does that look like? How is it going to benefit my day, my time, my business? You know, like I, I said this in a LinkedIn post, telling people you're going to help them make more revenue is not a uniqueness. It's not, it should not be in your brand message because every company they work with, they are expecting you are going to make me more money. And so if you're saying, we're going to make you more money, and I go on to an SEO's, like your guys' website, and say, we're going to make you more money, and I go on to a, uh, like a project management platform, and they're like, we're going to make you more money. All of a sudden, it's like, well, you guys all sound the same, so I don't know why I should actually work with you. And that's where, that's where just kind of jumping in, coming up with a logo, slapping up a website tends to fail for people is they don't know who they're targeting. So the messaging isn't there. They don't know you, their uniqueness. So they don't even know, like I've done some discovery calls this week with clients that they're like, we know our product, we've been successful, but we're struggling to generate inbound leads because we right. don't know how to communicate what we do in a succinct way. If I have an hour, I can sit down and explain it. But if I have seven seconds, 
I can't do that. Um, and that's where brand strategy really, really comes in is understanding who you're going after and what is that differentiation, like what really sets you apart in the marketplace so that people understand why I should buy from you. How much of branding comes down to messaging versus, let's say, design and look and feel? Honestly, like, and and Steph and I argue, I wouldn't say argue, but we go back and forth on this because I was head of marketing for a while. So I know for most marketers, when they think brand, what they're really thinking of is I need messaging. But really, the majority of brand is actually, I would say 70% of it is actually strategy. Right. Who are your ideal customers? Really understanding them and really understanding what sets you apart. Messaging is probably maybe 15%. Design is maybe like 5%. Um, and, and so it's why when I hear you know B2B companies say like, well, we just want a logo and, and colors. It's like, that's the tip of the iceberg. That's like what people see. If you can't tell me who are, who are you going after, what sets you apart, we might pick colors that generate the wrong identity. So um, I was explaining this to, to a prospective client the other day. Like if I don't know, like let's say you your identity is a, you're behind the scenes. You're kind of, you're supporting the other business. You don't want to be, flashy out in front that's not the personality of your business if you pick bright colors so this is actually a client we've we're working with their colors right now are bright purple and bright green kind of uh, reminds me of a peacock to be honest it's that kind of that kind of coloring and i'm like if you're going to be behind the scenes if you want to be this help and advocate for your your clients being you know, using purple and green is very out there. It's very bold. It's, I expect you to be center stage um, at some kind of event. And so understanding this identity you want to create really should, should uh, drive the, the colors you choose, the fonts you choose, because there is a lot of psychology. And most people don't understand this, but there's a lot of psychology in the colors you choose, in the fonts you choose. Like, if you, it, there's a reason why Facebook, LinkedIn, a lot of banks use blue. Blue for most people is a very trustworthy, very practical, very like you're going to be around long-term kind of color. That's the, the emotions it evokes. So if that's the personality you want, blue is a good color. But if you are wild and crazy and youthful, you probably want more of an orange or a red because that's going to evoke energy and excitement and movement forward and danger. And like, I'm going to drive a, a fast car around a, a bend and hope I don't fly off the mountain type, type personality, like fast and furious. You want orange. Like that's, that's the kind of uh, emotion that orange evokes. And so what tends to happen when you start with logo and colors is people tend to pick the colors that they like the most, but often those colors might evoke the wrong feeling for their ideal customers. Yeah. And so yep. that's why that's why having that strategy down first is going to make the brand design so much easier. I think that's a, a common problem in marketing or with marketing in general, Jason. Just and I've been there in the past and I'm sure my colleagues have and the rest of the guys that work on the team. And just with 
things in general, picking out what you think looks good, what you think is going to work best, what you think is going to be a smash hit. So in your head, personally, you're thinking, wow, this logo is going to be awesome. This website messaging is just going to kill it. And then it's like, well, but until you actually take a look from the outside in and realize that you're not necessarily your, your target customer, your ideal client, you're actually just designing it on what you personally think looks pretty cool um, is when you can actually shine a light on your own opinion might not be the best one because you don't really want to attract tons of yourself. Right. <laughs> At least they're not right. going to be paying you. So with that said, <laughs> you said <laughs> um, which is pretty rare anyway, it's rare that you pay yourself to grow your business. So with that said, you said strategy is about 70% of, of branding. So mm-hmm. how can, let's get actionable here. How can a company get started on putting together an effective brand strategy? What are some of the first steps that you should consider? Yeah, the first the first step, and this is I'm going to walk you through really the process we take our clients through because we've it's been proven brings a lot of aha moments and direction for our clients, and so we tend to start with kind of this this foundation of understanding what perception you want to have in the marketplace, um, and what is that sweet spot of opportunity for you. So what I mean by that is asking yourself what can you what can you do 95% consistently providing the same results that matters to someone? So what is that thing like? So, so for us, we do brand strategies. We do brand design. We do content. We can. I've been head of marketing for multiple companies for decades. So I can do Facebook ads. I can do LinkedIn ads. I can do a lot of stuff. I've led, I've led marketing teams, but... Um, what we've said was, while we can do that, where we shine, where we bring the most value consistently is in the brand strategy and the content strategy side. And so that that's where we come in and we say, okay, this, this uh, sweet spot of opportunity is that we can come into a company that's in transition or that is trying, like they, they've kind of grown stagnant. They're successful but they can't get to that next level and they don't know what it's going to take. That's where we found our sweet spot is we work with them to get them the clarity they need to get to that next level. So understanding what is the thing that you can do 95% of the time really well, produce the same results for for every client focus there then. And this is the biggest step. And this is the step that I see most marketers, most B2B owners, fail on this step is understanding your ideal customers. And so I was talking to someone, um, I did a a brand messaging evaluation the other, the other day for someone. And I was like, you know, in order to write a great brand message, you need to know your ideal customers. And he's like, well, we're, we're going to do this case study. And the the owner has like um, the input to give me. And I was like, like the owner of the company he worked for, I was like, no, talk to the client. Like, I don't care how long you've been in the industry. I don't care if you used to be an ideal customer and now you're working for someone that provides services to them. You need to talk to your ideal customer. And so understanding, we we walk people through kind of a, a process here. One is to understand who are those ideal customers. So what we do, and this is this is a strategy I tell people, you know, do it for free. Take your current customer list and you want to do like an airplane model with it. Who is 
first class, who is business class, who is economy class. You define what those parameters are. Typically, when we work with customers, we say, hey, first class should be, they make you a lot of money, you enjoy working with them, they trust you. They're the customer that isn't like calling you at 2 a.m. in the morning and saying, I've got 10 changes I want to make because I'm micromanaging everything you do. That is not a first class client. A first class client (laughs) is, I send it to you and you're like, perfect, here's the $20,000 I owe you. Like, that's a first class client. For every customer, you know, for every business, it's going to be a little different. Maybe they're also advocates of you or they, um, you know, whatever that might be, figure out what you would say as a first class client and then ask yourself of your current customer list, who is first class? Who would you say if I had, if I built my business around this one customer, if I had like 30 more of them, my business would be awesome. Who is that current customer that you have? Then double down on getting to know them, fill out a customer file. Obviously, you know, everyone knows blueprints, your demographics, but demographics is not enough. Just title job, you know, industry they're in money they make. You also need to know psychographics. You need to know their lifestyle. What are their beliefs? What do they enjoy? What social media platforms are they on? Um, You need to know their motivations. What actually pushes them to want to change? You need to know what is the aim that they have for their company or their life? Like, what are they really after? Are they after more money? Yes. But what is the thing behind the money that they're after? Maybe it's freedom to do what they want. Maybe it's to be able to hire someone new. Maybe it's, I just want to feel like I'm successful. You know, I'm a successful business owner. Maybe that's really what they're after. Find that aim and then find out what type of experience do they want? So it, it goes a little deeper than most customer blueprint templates you see that that clients uh, that even our clients give us before we start is you need to really know who they are. So for us, I actually just posted this today. Um, I know for our ideal customers, they are the talking content side. Um, when we get to that level, they do not want to post fluff content. They don't want to be the, I hired this homeless man as a CEO. And it like, they don't want to do that crap. Like they've tried that crap. It didn't work for them. Didn't produce leads. They want to be, they want to be the expert in their category. They're very trusted. Like I am a resource. So while that kind of other stuff can work for other companies, for our ideal customers, we understand some of them have actually gone through LinkedIn courses. Some very popular LinkedIn courses that most people on LinkedIn know about and promote, not going to say names, but some of you probably are like, I know who he's talking about. They have gone through those courses and said, yeah, but I need the help understanding how do I actually implement this for me? How do I come up with the right content? How do I do all this? And so we understand our ideal customers at that level. On the brand side, we know that they know the value of brand. We don't have to prove to them that brand is important. We don't have to prove to them that content is important. They know it, but they don't know where to start. They're in this flux. They're kind of that, that business owner that I've got 20 different ideas, but I have no idea which one's the right one, which one I should go with. And so that's where we know that about them. So we create content around that and we create marketing around that. And we're launching, we're working on a new website right now. So 
please ignore our current website. It drives my business partner and I nuts. We're <laughs> like, we just want to take it down until the new one's up. But um, in, in doing the new website, all the copy is around that factor of like, you, you have a successful business. You want to take it to the next level, but you don't know how. Yeah. And so understanding, I say all that to say, that's the level of depth you need to know about your ideal customers. Like what actually are their pain points? How are they struggling? What are they trying to do themselves? Then before jump we jump on. into the next step, yeah, there's a few, few things we need to cover. So we're, we're looking for our a class. We're looking for our first class existing clients. What if we're a brand new startup, Jason, what if we don't have these luxury customers just yet? Any recommendations for an approach to take if we haven't got those with us already? Yeah, so typically, I, I actually have a lot of people that ask me that in the DMs, and so I'm glad you, mm -hmm. I'm glad you asked. Typically, my advice is, is this. Pick an ID, like pick someone that you think is really gonna, gonna find value in your, in your product or your service. So maybe you start out and you say, okay, for what I'm offering, a solopreneur who is who is in a service industry, um, they are the ideal. Maybe you're maybe you're doing some kind of like you create automations for businesses, and you're like, hey, the enterprise level, they're probably not going to buy my service of coming in and automating stuff. But a solopreneur, someone who's doing this by themselves, they would see immense value in having everything automated and, and kind of working at the push of a button. So you say, hey, these are my ideal customers. Then what I would do is search your LinkedIn network, find people that fit that. If you don't have Sales Navigator, get Sales Navigator. You can filter stuff so much more. It's worth the money. Find the people that kind of fit who you think would, would um, benefit from this and then ask them, hey, I am launching this business. I'm not trying to sell you anything, but I think you might be my ideal customer. Can I just grab 10 minutes of your time? I'll give you a $25 Amazon gift card if you if you let me. Or hey, if you do choose to become a customer, I'll give you a discount for the first month. Like however you want to get them on the call. Get them on the call and actually find out if what you're coming up with actually fits them. And so that's the problem I see with a lot of startups is they haven't they just create a solution and they're like, now I need to find customers for this. When really what you should be doing is finding customers and then building a solution for them. So getting to know, like if you're thinking it's going to be this automation service where I come in and automate all your different platforms or whatever, start with a hypothesis. This is who I think it might be. And then go ask them. Is this something that you would pay for? How much would you pay for it? And if they're like, well, you know, because of my budget, I could only pay $100 for that. Well, you're probably not going to build a successful business if you're only charging $100 for something custom like that. So that kind of helps you figure out then, one, is this an ideal customer? Two, is it within the price range that I can make money? And three, do I need to reevaluate this? Maybe I beef it up and I sell it for more, but I target a larger client because the solopreneurs aren't going to be able to sustain my business. And that's, that's really where I, where I would start. Um, yep. Because there, there are a lot of startups that don't have, these are the clients I want to work with. So start with what you do have. 
even if they're not ideal or just start doing research and asking people. Yeah. And to my mind, that should be one of the first steps if you're early stage, because this, this should happen before you start investing a lot into your own team, to your marketing, to your product, because if this research that you're getting, if this feedback that you're getting is poor and the, the prospects that you're interviewing or chatting with don't see any value in it, they don't see that this, your product solves a problem or improves their business or improves their life and you're just getting common feedback that it's not a hit at all in any shape or form, then it probably is saying that your product needs tweaking or your solution needs tweaking. So before you invest a ton in trying to bring it to market, this research should probably be one of the very first steps because then you can actually get potential yes. client info and understand if it's even going to take off. So it's, it just sounds so critical in my mind. Yeah, and that's the step that talking from a startup standpoint, a lot of people don't do. Mm. So we've had a lot of startups. We we don't tend to work with a lot of startups right. um, just because it's what we offer in the price range. You have to be more of a su- successful, you know your product and service to really make um, what we do work. Now, we do sure. have a few startups who are our clients, but um, predominantly it's not. But what I've seen with a lot of startups is they get an idea and they run with it. And then they're like, how do I make this work? And it's like, you're not actually solving a pain point. You're solving a nice to have, but if people aren't willing to pay for that nice to have, if it doesn't really meet something that they feel they need, they're not going to buy it no matter how great it is. Like if you, uh, I have a really simple example. Like if you came to me and were like, I've got this brand new car I want to sell you. Well, great. I don't, I have a car that I like that, you know, I'm almost, it, it's almost done being paid off. I don't want another payment. Like I don't feel a need to buy this new car. I don't yeah. care how great it is. I don't care if the sucker can like, tr- you know, turn into a boat and drive me somewhere. I don't care if it can fly. I don't need it. I don't want it. So no matter how great it is, I'm not going to buy it. And that's what, that's what some people, like I've had discovery calls with people where I said, I would go back to the drawing board because what you have is not, it's not something people are going to need. And no one likes hearing that. Oh, this idea that I have, no one's going to need it. But if you're not doing that research to find out, Hey, this is something that people actually need. It's not going to, it's not going to grow. Yeah. hundred percent. So that's, that's useful on the, on the startup front. If you don't have any customers, if you are, you laid out quite a nice framework earlier, Jason, on what we can use for our best existing customers if we have them. Mm-hmm. In your experience, what is the best way to get customers on an interview? Because from my experience, about one in 10 is comfortable doing it. Um, when I say an interview, I mean like over Zoom, over Teams or whatever video recording software right. you use. A lot of people aren't that comfortable on camera. Have you got any tips on how we can actually sweeten the deal for them and ultimately get these people on camera so we can get the insights that we need to then fuel our brand in the right direction to, to make sure we're actually appealing to idle clients. Yeah. So really what we do in, in that process, because what we'll have our clients do is identify three clients that they want us to interview. And then we have like a templated email that we tell them to use. Basically it comes down to, you know, hey, we're in this process to make our business better, to serve you better. And so what we're asking is, could you give us like 
you know, and be very specific. We only want 30 minutes of your time. We only yep. want 45. And what we're going to do is ask you questions about your experience with us or how we can improve. Um, sometimes we've, we've told clients, like, if they come to us and they're like, we've tried this before, no one wants to jump on a call. It's like, incentivize them. Like, say, hey, if you're willing to do this, we'll give you a $100 discount or we'll give you a gift card. Or, you know, if you provide that incentive, sometimes they're a little bit more willing to say, you know what, for a discount, I'll get on there. Sometimes too, it might even be as simple as maybe you say, hey, if you're not comfortable doing it on Zoom, what if we just do a phone call? Um, yeah. and then, and then tell them that you're going to record it so you can grab, you know, um, insights and remember everything. So you don't have to write it down. And then we always recommend too, that you make it clear how you're going to use this information. So we always ask, you know, Hey, would you be willing to do a testimonial? We're not going to use this as a testimonial, but would you be willing to do one if they wanted to contact you? Um, or would you be okay with us using any of the information you gave us here to craft one to send you to tweak and sign off on? Um, sure. What we've also found, and this is where um, it, it can be difficult if you are a startup to, to really maybe fund this, but we found it's often easier for clients to talk to a third party than it is to talk to you as the business owner. Uh, okay. because there, there is this idea of, I have a relationship with you and I don't want to offend you. I don't want to tell you that like, Hey, you think your offer is really great, but it kind of sucks here. And what we found is when it's, when it's the third party where we're like, offend us all you want, it's not offensive to us. And we're not going to present it in an offensive way to the client. We're going to present it in a way of like, Hey, this is the struggle they're having with you. Here's our recommendation to fix it people are a lot more open and a yep. lot more willing to say the hard things that they don't want to say to you because they know you and they don't want to offend you. And so if there's a way to have a third party do it, mm -hmm. um, you know, someone that you trust, someone that you know, isn't going to like you know, try to steal your clients or, you know, whatever, or yeah, represents yeah, yeah. you poorly. Um, it, it's why in, when we do branding processes with our clients, we include customer interviews of us doing it is we've had clients that are like, well, I've already interviewed my, my customers. I didn't really get good information. We're like, yeah, they didn't want to offend you. And so we jumped on the call with them and we found out the thing they were afraid to tell the business owner, they were like upfront, like cussing about it. Here's what it was. And we're like, Hmm. So either you don't know how to ask the right questions. And so you want someone who knows how to like dig deeper and pull out the, the truth from people. Um, or it's just, they didn't want to offend you because they were, they don't want to offend you or they didn't want it to um, reflect back on their pricing. Like, Hey, if I yeah. piss you off enough, you might raise my pricing a little bit and I don't want that. So <laughs> uh, what tends to happen when you interview them yourself sometimes is they just want to play nice and, and tell you what you want to hear. And when it's a third party, they're a lot more likely because we even tell them like, we're not going to share this with them. We're going to pull the, we're going to pull the insights um, and send, send them the insights in a document where we're giving them recommendations 
not go listen to what, you know, this person said about you and how they hate what you're doing here and how this was a, a hard point. Um, yeah. That tends to be, you tend to get more truth out of people that way. Sure. And I suppose everyone's different, right? So some some clients can be yeah. happy to jump on a video call. Others might, might prefer a third party. Some people might even say, ask me the questions via email if they absolutely hate talking. And everyone's yeah. a bit different. I mean, what I found as well, which I'm sure you're the same, Jason, is doing these kind of interviews with your best current clients is not only good to actually fuel insights together, to, get, to inform your branding, inform your messaging, inform the way you craft your website and your marketing materials, but also if you have quite candid conversations up front and you're quite transparent, you say, look, I just, I don't just want to quiz you on what's working well. I want real insights. I want you to give me a no BS breakdown of what we're doing well, what we're doing terribly, what is shite right now? What can we improve on? Not only is it going to inform your branding, but it's actually going to give you ideas on how you can improve your business in the sense of customer service, how you can tackle projects better in the future, how you can service this client better in the future. Um, Because if they give you those those things that are working well and not so well, it can so really help. Let me, let me give you an example of how this plays out and how doing this can actually affect all yeah. of your marketing. Yeah, let's push it sales. forward. So, let's push it forward. Yeah, so we we have a client that we're working with. They're an insurance billing company. And we did these customer interviews with three of their ideal customers. And what we found out was, one, that their pricing model um, was – it it really was their differentiation because what they do instead of saying from day one, you're paying commission, it's like the first three months while you're building up your clinic, we defer payment until, and like, you know, backtrack it. So, you know, month four, you're going to pay more to help cover the first three months. And that way, when you're still getting up and you're, you're spending a lot of money on buildings and stuff like that, you don't have to worry about this part. People love that. But all three said the same thing. What happens is there comes a point in their, in their pricing structure where it almost becomes cheaper for them to hire someone internally than to continue working with them. And that's something that they, our clients know. So we gather that insight. We, we gave it to them and we gave them the recommendation of, Hey, you might want to consider a tiered pricing model. That way, when they hit a certain point, you take a little bit less out. So it incentivizes them to stay rather than hiring someone internally. So they met with their accountant. They worked all that out, presented new new pricing to their customers. Now that we're kind of working through how are we going to build out your website? What needs to be on there? Um, we came back to that point of, hey, there, you know, there's this customer that still is saying it might be cheaper. They're considering bringing someone internally. And so we said... That needs to be a core message on your website then of why, like, why would you want to do outsourcing? Like if I'm going to pay you a hundred thousand dollars a year in commission to get my insurance money and so that my business makes revenue, why should I pay you when I could hire someone for 80,000 and do it? And what we found out, like, you know, cause I'm not in that industry. I don't know what we found out was, yeah, that's great that you could have one person do it. But we've got 10 people handling it for you. So you're you're paying a hundred thousand dollars for 10 people to work on your account. You're not gonna you're not gonna hire 10 people for a hundred thousand dollars internally. Plus, they brought up like, yeah, we actually had a client that did that that left for a while. They're like, we're gonna do this on our own and yep. lost fifty thousand dollars worth of revenue 
in a year because they didn't know what they were doing. And so that client came back to them and not only did they recoup the 50,000, like of the, of the 50, they lost, they were only able to recoup for them 25 just because of insurance laws and stuff. But then they made an extra 50% that next or an extra 50,000 that next year. So they were even up because they worked with this company. I'm like, that needs to be, a key page on your website then. And then you need to have those, you need to get that client on a video saying this. So you have a testimonial from someone that says, hey, I was considering doing this. I did it. My business lost $50,000 that year. I came back because while it looks better on paper, it actually costs you more money if you do it internally because it's delayed times getting uh, getting payment and all this stuff. So yep. then we're going to be developing out content around this idea for them to put out on social media and blog posts and all that. So one little insight we got from a client interview, change their business structure, change their website is changing their whole marketing strategy from one insight. And that now is going to like, they're even, we're even developing like literature for them to send to new clients to even explain this in the onboarding that there will come a point where you say it's going to be cheaper to hire internally but here's why the looking at just i'm paying you this much commission and i could pay someone like twenty thousand dollars less a year here's why that's a false comparison so now even in the onboarding they're see the clients are going to start seeing this that hey it still is going to pay to work with you it's a whole new marketing and even customer service strategy off of one insight from an interview. Like that's how this all kind of plays out into affecting and, and really how branding and doing a brand strategy affects your marketing is knowing that because I did that from the brand standpoint, knowing that then drives everything I do from, from marketing, knowing that one insight developed a whole marketing campaign for them how that, much you know so how much of this do you think is impacted by customer frustrations because i can give you a quick example so we were interviewing a few of our clients a while back and one is a contractor that we do web and seo work for and i was just asking them general questions a bit similar to what we've been talking about now and i said is is there something often like let's say you go into a job the customers often say something that niggles them or that frustrates them or do they ever give you feedback on your website or your services in general and they just say this this is a bit annoying and they said yeah actually almost every time they say i wish you would actually share your pricing on your website and i was like a light bulb just shone above my head and i was like well, guys, what's this telling you? Like, well, maybe we should share our pricing. I was like, yes, please. Because if, if, if customers yeah. are saying it to you all the time, this is, this is a telltale sign that you need to be more transparent. And not only is that going to please more prospects to land on your site, but it's also going to help qualify buyers because they're going to get an idea of the ranges that you work with. And it's going to deter poor fit prospects from getting in touch with you. So it saves everyone time in the long run. Um, but it just shows, like you were saying, Jason, leveraging those frustrations that you can get from yeah. customer feedback to your advantage, whether that is on your website, your marketing materials, and ultimately it can help you drive revenue. Yeah. And not not even the frustrations. Like I think people will 
share frustrations quickly because it's like i've been wanting to tell you this forever <laughs> uh, you know like yeah frustrations are easier to come up with but i think too some of the things that you do super well yeah. um that that they have worked like so one of the things we've heard from our clients is like they a lot of our clients have worked with other marketing firms other branding firms they've had someone do their website you know, and they're like, the difference that you guys bring is you actually explain and walk me through why I should do it this way. Like everyone else is just like, here's your website. What do you want to change? And they're like, I don't know. I'm not a marketer. I don't know if this is the right layout. I don't know if, if that, that call to action is the right one I should use. I'm not the marketer. I'm coming to you because you're the expert. And that's the, the feedback we get is like, we've worked with other uh, like one of our bigger clients, they're like, we've worked with another branding company that gave us brand messaging, but they didn't do this whole, like we do workshops and um, our big thing is we want to create aha moments for you. So we do these collaborative workshops with you and your team to help you get to, oh, that's what sets us apart. We're not actually, we might craft it in a way that you can easily share it and make it sound good. But really what's happening is we're, we're giving you the, the space to think through this stuff, to, to dive down. We're guiding you like, hey, you're spending way too much time focusing on something that doesn't matter. Let's come back here. Like we're guiding the conversation. But ultimately what's happening is what we're trying to do is get the whole team to say, that is what sets me apart. That's or sets us apart. That's what we want to focus on. And it's like, yes, this is now we can come up with the messaging and present it to you. We can tweak it from there, but um, that's what they've said for us. Like the difference is you actually walk us through a process to understand and get the buy-in from the CEO down to like the sales rep. So we understand it's not just marketing coming in. Like here's this new brand and messaging we have. It's the CEO, the, the, you know, the CPO, CTO, whoever else wants to be involved, marketing, sales, they're all sure. coming together to say, this is what we want to say. Um, this is actually what sets us apart. And this is what we want to move forward on. Um, it, and so understanding that for us, that's driven all of like, as we're building out our new website, that's what's driving all the messaging on there is it's not just about get you a new message. It's we're going to provide the clarity so that message makes sense to you. Chili Piper is the most advanced routing and scheduling software for B2B revenue teams. Its product helps demand generation teams convert more leads into attended meetings, sales teams book more demos faster, and customer success teams to delight their customers. Companies like Shopify, Forrester, Spotify, and Gong use Chili Piper to double their inbound conversion rates, eliminate manual lead routing, and streamline critical processes for meetings. Book your free tailored demo today at chilipiper.com. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R.com. Charles runs a software company. He gets a decent amount of leads through his website, through paid ads, but when it comes to the organic, non-paid listings on Google, his competitors are stealing his visibility, traffic, and customers. 
all because they rank higher than him on organic search with SEO, search engine optimization. He set up a call with WebChoice. They took the time to understand his business, goals, and plans, and crafted a long-term strategy to rank higher on Google. After a few months of working with WebChoice, Charles was above the competition and enjoying more organic leads than ever, and was even able to reduce his ad spend from the uptick in organic inbound leads. Want to enjoy more inbound sales leads with SEO? Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. What are some of the best ways? So we've gone through the early stage. We've talked about interviewing ideal clients. So what are some of the best ways to actually make, make sure that we're putting these insights into action that are then going to drive bottom line for the business? Yeah. So kind of after you, after you get these insights, really the next step is to figure out what actually sets you apart. And this is where most B2B companies struggle because they have an idea of what sets them apart. And it's usually not in line with what their customers say. So most B2B companies, they think what sets them apart is what they think is awesome about them. Like I hear this a lot. It's our team that makes us different. No, it's not. It's not. It's the fact that we can make you more revenue. I can get on Google, find 100,000 of your competitors within three seconds, and they all say the same thing. So that's not really what sets you apart. And so what we do is we take those insights and we say, okay, now what is the one thing that is super relevant to these people, but also super differentiated? And that's what we want to focus on. So for instance, for Shift, we are a brand positioning agency. You can get on Google, you can find branding agencies, you can find all of our competitors in seconds, no big deal. So what we did is we said, okay, what's gonna really set us apart? We understand that the people we work with don't understand branding. They don't understand how do I take this insight and turn it into something actionable? So for every step of the process, we have developed out one page strategies. So like when we do your customer file and we do all these interviews and we understand your ideal customers, what we do then is we, we give you the 20 page research document. Here's everything we talked about. And then we condense it to a one pager that your team, your sales team, your marketing team, if you're going to outsource your website or your PPC ads or whatever, you can give this to them and they're going to understand it. And in those strategies, we tell you, here's how you're going to use it. So for instance, we when we give you your brand messaging and we've got five pieces of brand messaging we provide in our process, we tell you this is an internal message. You're going to use this here, 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 and here. This is external. You're going to put this on your website. You're going to use this on your homepage. You're going to use this on your services page. This is where this fits best to drive people to conversions. So what we do is we don't just give you, here's everything. We actually train you how to start thinking like a brander. And that mm. then has, because of that, that is now part of our, our core brand messaging. That's a part of what we emphasize on the website. When I do discovery calls, and I'm talking to people, I highlight 
And I actually show them when we do not discovery calls, but when we're in that next phase, I actually show them all the documentation. Here's, we have everything templated out and we say, your information will be in here. This is dummy copy right now, but this is how you're going to get the document. And look how we show you, this is how you use it. This is how your marketing team's going to use it. This is how your sales team's going to use it. And immediately for people, they're like, this is what I need because I don't know, like, you're going to give me five pieces of brand messaging. Where do I stick them? Great. I've got messaging. Now, what do I do with it? We show you how you actually use this to benefit your marketing and sales. And so because of that insight that we got from our deal clients, we've developed that into our messaging. We've developed that into our sales process where we really point out to people, you're not just getting a, here's some insights, go do it. You're getting here's some insights. Here's how this is going to drive everything else in your company. And then at the end, they get a one page implementation strategy of now that we've done all this, here's the next step for you to work on. Maybe it is your brand design sucks. You've got purple and green when you're trying to be behind the scenes or you're trying to be bold and dangerous and you're using blue not going to yep. evoke that feeling. So you need to change your brand design. You need to change your website. You need to, in your marketing, you need to highlight this insight more. So we give them that kind of insights. And so that was insights we got from our ideal customers where Jason, they said, give us, yeah, give us some examples. So, and feel free to use some of your clients or, or generic mm -hmm. examples. So let's say someone's run an interview but then, I don't know, maybe they want to now leverage insights to put a new website headline or an ad. Maybe it's a Google ad or a Facebook ad headline. How can they give us an example? Because we've had guests on in the past and have said things like leverage the common, the things that get said most common, leverage mm -hmm. those, whether that's a problem, a pain point, use that as a headline or whether that's a value proposition, i.e. what value, what revenue, what what winning result did you bring to the company, something that gets commonly repeated, then use that in your, your messaging or headline. Are there any ways that we can take these snippets of info and we know that's the gold dust, that is what's going to resonate. So that's, for example, going on our website headline as our value prop, or that's going in our ad headline. Any kind of examples? Yeah, so we are working right now with an energy and sustainability SaaS platform. Um, so what they do, a quick run through, if you have like, if you run a college and you're trying to see, uh, get your energy usage down and get your greenhouse gas emissions down, they're the kind of platform that you can track all that. You can even track like how often your cows fart type thing. Like <laughs> I'm blown away by what they can track. I was like, I didn't even know that's, that's possible. But um, when they came to us, it was uh, very feature focus. Here's what our platform can do and not very solutions focused. So as we went through this process and we, um, you know, did all the workshops with them, talked to their ideal clients, all that kind of stuff. Um, what we, what we found out was they have three different personas. Each persona is after something different. And so as we're right now, we're in the process of building out product messaging specific to each persona. So what we've, what we've done is we found out that like, okay, for persona A, what they're really after is managing data. For persona B, they're about tar like setting goals and saying we have to, you know, 
because of regulatory compliance, we have to drop this down here for persona three, more the accountants. They don't care about that. They care about the money. They care about validating everything, making sure that the bills they're paying are accurate and they're, they're only doing that. So understanding that on each different persona, what we were able to do is say, okay, because person A, persona A is more about managing, the messaging needs to be about, we help you manage all of this data and make it clear. For right. persona B, it's, we help you target. We help you set the targets and say, we want to get you know, from here to here in two years. Okay, we this can help you. So that's one way. Another client um, that we, we were working with is the insurance billing company. Um, what we found out from them in their customer interviews was a little bit what I shared with you already, that they have this um, pricing structure where, so they work with ABA clinics, children with autism, basically. Okay. So the clinics that, that help children with autism, they do the insurance billing for them. So they get their revenue. 100% of their revenue comes from insurance. So it's important to do this well. What, what they provided that all their customers were like, this is why we went with you, is their, their competition says, from day one, you owe us money. What they have done is said, okay, because you're starting up and we believe in the work that you're doing, we want to help fund you, first three months, we're not going to charge you. We will do okay. it. We won't charge you. But then your monthly rate moving forward will be a little bit higher after you start seeing success and you're not paying for, well, I got to pay for desks and lab tables and all this kind of stuff. When all that's done, now you know you don't have that initial expense right up front. And so we took that, like all three of their clients said that. Yep. This is why we went with you. So we we took that and in their brand messaging, we've developed it around this idea that we are helping you, like their customer vision, this this bold statement to say, this is what we're going to help our customers achieve is that you will be the ABA clinic of choice for families. Yeah. Like, so that's what they're helping their customers do. And we wrapped it around. And then there's an explanatory sentence behind that. And in there, it talks about, we help even with the pricing so that you can do what you want to do. And we'll do the boring stuff that actually gets you paid. You focus on the children. We'll focus on making sure you have the money to grow what you're doing. And that message has connected with their ideal customers to a level that we're not even done with their website and they're already starting to see like more leads come in because of that. Like they're changing it in their sales pitches and stuff like that. So they're already seeing more and more interest because of that messaging of you do what you do. We'll do the, that boring stuff to make sure you get, you get paid. Yeah. So you're really leveraging what target customers actually care about yeah. when it comes to, your industry and, that's, the job and that's why like i always come back to if you watch my link or read my linkedin content you'll see this all the time you have to know your ideal customers because everything you do your brand messaging how you sell to them how you market to them comes down to what is their aim what are they actually after if you can speak to their aim and you can speak to their struggle if you can do both they will read your website and say i'm ready to you know, book a call, sign up for a demo, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. But if you're just coming up with messaging, that's like, 
we help them make more revenue. That, that's not going to connect with most people because your competitors are saying the same thing. And yeah. so it's really understanding the nitty gritty of what they are actually after. And so even in your customer interviews, when they give you an answer, I always recommend you ask the question, why does that matter to you? Then they, get, then they explain it a little bit more. Why does that matter to you? Why, and like, this is a rabbit hole you can keep going down. So you need to know when to stop. Like I tell Steph all the time, cause he's always like, well, we could even go deeper. And I'm like, this is deep enough. <laughs> <laughs> like like yeah. this is a great insight we can stop at. But a lot of times they're going to, you know, their first answer might be like, well, I really like this about what you do. Great. Or like, I hear this a lot. Well, my ideal customers say they come to me because they like my personality. I, you can't write brand messaging around I have a great personality. So work with me. It's like, there's a deeper reason you have to dig deeper. And so understanding their true, like, this is who they are. This is how they think. This is what they're after. You get that down, everything up. What messaging should be on your website? What calls to action should you use? Where should you write content? What kind of content should you write? How should your sales decks be? Put, like be written how should your sales flyers and the stuff that you send out what should your demo look like all of that if you know your ideal customers every question you have about how should i do this gets answered when you know what your ideal customers are really really after and what they're what they're looking for yeah and on that note jason what i found as well i expect you're similar is understanding what target customers really care about when it comes to their business getting the job mm -hmm. done, common problems, common frustrations, not only is going to assist your marketing efforts, whether that's your website, your ads, materials, brochures, whatever, but it's also really going to help you out on sales calls because you're going to break free from the traditional hated salesperson and become more of a, I guess, a trusted advisor because you already have a rough idea of what clients often come to you. And I'm not painting everyone with the same brush, but when someone brings a new project to you, you can ask more educated questions. Like mm -hmm. when they're saying, look, we need to do ABC, you're saying, well, often when customers have come to us with a similar project, we found they've had an issue with A, B, C, D, wondering if that's something that affects you. And they say, oh, oh yeah, actually it is. Because you hear these problems all the time, you know what their common frustrations are, and then you can, like you say, you can still ask questions, you can still get insights, you can still get to the root of the problems and their ambitions, their goals, but you can show trusted leadership, thought leadership in the sense that you understand how they're getting the job done, yeah. you understand how to tackle the problem, you can recommend appropriate solutions and be more of an advisor rather than just trying to sell them a product, you can give them kind of real sound advice. Well, and it also will shorten the sales cycle as well when you are getting to the point much faster and addressing what they're after and their pain point earlier yeah. on in the sales cycle, they're much faster to make a decision because they see the value in what you bring. And so like for us, when we go through the brand, our brand positioning package that we offer and we usually just in the discovery call, I'm not showing them documentation. I'm just saying, this is what the process looks like. And these are the results that you get. Because I know you're an ideal customer, I know what you're facing, I know what you're struggling with, I can talk about this in that way. And instead of saying like, like for most of them, it's not about making more revenue. And that, that blows a lot of people's minds is that my ideal customers aren't coming to me like, 
I want more revenue. It's we need more clarity. We need direction. We need to know like what we're doing is actually going the right way. And yep. what, like what services should we continue or stop? Or like, like that's, that's where they're at money wise. They're like, we can make more money, but we need to know we've got five different options, which one's going to be the best for us. So I know now not to say in my sales cycle, well, you know, when you're, and, and this is true, all of our clients have seen a 20% increase in revenue or more after they've implemented our strategies. So true. But I don't share that in the discovery because that's not what they're after in the discovery. They're after what clarity, what direction, what do I, what, how does this impact my business from the, um, the standpoint of direction and understanding where I should be going? That's what they're after. And so I address that right on and they're like, I want to see your actual, you know, call it a demo or whatever, where we walk through the process, show you all the documentation. They're like, I want to see it because you just addressed everything that I'm struggling with and everything I'm looking for. So now I want to see the nitty gritty. I, we get them much faster because we know them and we know what they're after. And I don't have to sit here and flounder around and ask a bunch of questions um, because we, we know the answers to those questions. Yeah. 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 It's really powerful. Jason, for anyone that's been listening along and thought this branding stuff sounds all right. However, it sounds like let's let's say you're in a mid to larger size org. You might think, well, that's going to take a lot of time for my marketing department to run all these customer interviews, do all this research, take all this time. Can't I just ship, I don't know, 20, 30 grand into ads and I think we'll be just fine. Or maybe a smaller org's thinking, well, why should I pay a company? Likewise, I can just ship ship a load of money, maybe maybe run some ads, maybe upgrade the site, maybe, maybe spend some money on demand gen. Would that not be a better idea? So... When you're when you talk about brand, brand and your your brand strategy and your business strategy should operate like this. Most people see branding as a marketing tactic. It's just something else that the marketing team does. Really, what branding does is bring you that clarity to know what to do. And so what we've seen from a lot of our clients is they've done that. They have gone, they have dropped a buttload of money in you know, LinkedIn ads, they've dropped a buttload of money in doing demand gen, but they don't fully understand who am I going after with my demand gen? So demand gen is great, but if you don't know who those ideal customers are, and if you don't know their pain points and what they're after, you can waste a lot of money in demand gen and see nothing good come from it. Same with, so let me back up and say this, when I started Shift, a lot of people don't don't necessarily know this, but when I started Shift two years ago, I started with this idea of being a fractional CMO. I wanted like five clients that I was the head of marketing for them. I would come in, get their marketing in order and leave. And so what was happening was I was doing a lot of discovery calls with clients that were like, well, I want Facebook ads or I want demand gen. I need help with content. And I would ask simple questions like, who are your ideal customers? Well, it's it's anyone in the B2B realm. No, it's not. Like, let's be honest. No, you, you don't know who your ideal, what struggles do they have? Well, they just need to make more money. Mm, you don't know your ideal customers. And then it's like, okay, well, what sets you apart? Why would they want to click this ad and come through? Well, 
we're we're the best enter their their category what they do we're the best at this that means jack crap like let's be honest it, it, when people say that in their brand messaging it reminds me of the movie elf where he finds <laughs> like that coffee shop that's like the world's best cup of coffee oh like, yeah yeah that's that's what you're saying when you're like if you know if your brand messaging on your website was we provide the best seo service that's the image that comes to my mind like you actually don't know what you do um and so when you dump a lot of money into marketing hoping that's gonna fix things and you don't understand you, you don't have that level of depth of your ideal customers you're gonna waste a lot of money you're still gonna see results like you're still uh, you know i'll be honest you're still gonna see some leads come through because some of it might actually hit the right person at the right time but you will be far more effective and have a greater roi if you actually know this is who I'm going after, and this is the messaging that's going to hit them. You know that. You'll know, like, and this is what I explain to people in the discovery call. If you have a brand strategy, you are you don't have to ask what platforms should I create content on. You will know because you have the answer. It, you're not going to have to ask, should I go to this trade show or should I go here? You're going to know because you have the answer from your customer side. And so for us, we tend to tell people, with us anyways, this process takes about four months. So it's a long process, but you come out of it and you know what you need to do next. You know, okay, now I'm going to do demand gen. I'm targeting these people. This is the type of content that they want to see. This is where I need to spend my ad, my ad budget for the demand gen. This is where, you know, even for you guys, this is the, the keywords I need to go after. I know yep. because I already know what they're searching for. And so when you outsource then to someone like you guys, uh, imagine your customers coming to you and saying, here's my customer file. I know exactly the problems they're after. I know what they're facing. You can sit down and you can say, well, crap. These are the keywords you need to go after. Here's your strategy. I can get SEO working for you faster because yeah. you have a you have a better understanding of your differentiation and of your ideal clients. Everything becomes better and faster. You waste less money when you invest in your brand up front. Like imagine and and I'm using you guys as an example because you do SEO. Like imagine how much faster you get results when you don't have to test and say, well, we're going to try these keywords because you don't really know what you're after. So we're going to try these to see if this works with your messaging. And then we're going to try this. And okay, now we figured it out. Imagine that testing period is, is cut oh, yeah. in half it's... because you, they know their ideal customers and they can tell you exactly what they're after. All of a sudden the spend they make on SEO is going to be less because they already know what they want to do. Same with ads, same with, um, you know, even on your website, you're going to spend less time going back and forth on copy because you know what needs to be, be said. It is that, what I like to tell people is brand strategy is that, that sense of, I know what I need to do. And if you don't know, if you're sitting here like, should I do SEO? Should I do demand gen? Should I do ads on Facebook or on LinkedIn? You need a brand strategy. All those questions get answered when you fully understand this is what sets me apart. So this is the message I need to put out there. And this is who I'm going after. Everything I like, we've done these brand strategies with multiple clients and we found out for some of them, like 
quit wasting your time on Instagram. Your ideal customers aren't there. So you may be paying someone to do it and that's money you're wasting because while, while it may make you feel good that you've got something on Instagram, your ideal customers either aren't there or they're not there to engage with you. Yeah. So stop wasting your money. And imagine having that kind of confidence and clarity to say, this is where I'm spending my marketing money because I know, I already know before I even test it, I know that this is going to work because this is the level of knowledge I have of my ideal customers. That is what branding is about, is that foundation that then you hand it over to your marketing team and they're like, Freaking A, I can get you results much faster because I know exactly what I'm going after. You give it to your sales team and they're like, I know exactly the pain points and, and the pressure points I need to apply to get them to buy because I understand their psychology. That is a brand strategy. Yeah, that's that's a really great analysis. And I like the fact that you you said you could still dump a load of cash in marketing, whether that's Google ads, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, demand gen strategy podcast sponsorship whatever the heck you want to do right. and you might get you might ramp up sales but like you say it's almost like a chicken and egg solution because without knowing exactly who you want to target what messaging is going to resonate what channels you should be on then your cash is a lot better spent if you can do that work up front know where these customers so let me, are going to hang out and what they're actually let me give you let me give you one concrete example of this and then we've gone for an hour so we've yeah we'll, we'll wrap I'll things up stop. But um, so my last job, uh, my last full-time job before I went full-time with Shift, I was head of marketing for a food processing equipment manufacturer. Now, if I listened to the prevailing marketing content of the day, I would not spend any money on magazine ads. Most marketers are like magazine ads. They cost a lot of money. They're not effective. Don't do it. So when I started working there, the first thing I did was got to know our ideal customers. I sat in on sales calls. I talked to project managers who were also salespeople, um, got to really understand where they spend their time, how they, you know, how do they make this buying decisions? Where do they come from? And what we found out was that there were two magazines, one in particular, but, but two magazines that every one of our ideal customers read religiously. Like, they would get the print magazine. They would sit there. They would read through it because it had like, here are you know best practices right now. Here's what other. Here's what your competition is thinking about. So they read that religiously. I spent the last year I was there. We spent two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year just in print, at like magazine print advertising. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. I had other marketers telling me I was stupid. Like you don't want to do that. And it's like, why would I not? My ideal customers are not the ones that are on Facebook. They're not spending time on social media. They're not, they're not in listening to podcasts. They don't do that. What they do is they look at this trade magazine. We had one of the biggest clients that that company had before I left. How we got them, we ran an ad in a magazine for an ergonomic stand. It's the cheapest thing that we sold. When the sales, like when they called us up and was like, I want to talk to sales and, and someone went out there to meet with them, walk through their plan. They had taken the page that our ad was on, ripped it out of the magazine, hung it up on their wall behind them on their bulletin board because they were like, I need these and I want to talk to you guys about what you do. Most companies like Shift does not advertise in magazine. It's not where our idea of customers are at. 
But that is the power of understanding. We drove so much business from those magazine ads that like we continue to increase the budget because it's like it's giving us a positive ROI. We we went from 14 million one year to like 20 million the next. I think a six million dollar jump is worth paying two hundred fifty thousand dollars for, you know. And so that that is the power of knowing your ideal customers is you can actually stop listening to prevailing marketing wisdom and really understand my ideal customers buy this way. So mm. this is where I'm going to show up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I love that. I think that's one of the, one of the keys in marketing, right? As well is not only listening to your ideal customers, like you said, and ignoring the so-called gurus or ninjas or mm-hmm. experts, whatever the hell they want to call themselves <laughs> and actually going where your, your target clients hang out and being on those channels, even if the experts yeah. say it's not worth it, but also not being afraid to test things out for yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, we're quite fortunate in the sense that our company's at a stage where we can spend a bit of cash on certain marketing channels and see if they work for us, see if they don't. So, for example, we recently dumped a load of cash in LinkedIn ads. We tested it for about three, four months, got a couple of leads, but the return against the spend just really wasn't worth it. Are we crushed by it? We're a little bit disappointed, but we've tested the channel. We've run a good experiment. It didn't go well for us. No problem. We've learned from it. We're not going to do it again. We're going to use those insights and take that to our next experiment. Um, yeah. So the thing is to not be afraid to actually try things out, even if other, every other person's saying they're nonsense. Um, so understand yeah. that one size doesn't fit all. That's a, that's a big thing to to realize in marketing. But Jason, with that said, yeah. sir, thanks very much. This was definitely a feature. Thank you. There's been some golden nuggets and I've really, really enjoyed it. I'm sure the audience has too. So do give us a, a quick snapshot of how anyone tuning in can get in touch with you, connect with you and learn more. Yeah, biggest thing would be LinkedIn. I'm on there all the time, uh, every weekday. So uh, it's just Jason Banna, or you can search for the hashtag Sassy Jason. You'll find me that way too. Um, the other way would be every Monday, we send out a an email with branding and content strategies that you can try out and test for yourself. Um, you can sign up for that on our website, which is Shift. We were trying to be cool with this. There is no I. So shft.marketing is our website. If you do slash insider, that'll take you directly to where you can sign up for the email. Um, And then I'm also on Twitter. I share a lot of marketing or uh, branding and content. Branding and content content. That sounds weird. Branding and content posts on Twitter as well. Uh, My handle is just Jason Vanna. Um, So those would be the three best places to engage with us, get from us get all our free guides and all my insights for free without having to pay me a dime. Um, those would be the three places to find us. Yeah, definitely recommend connecting with Jason on LinkedIn. He's posting good, no BS actionable tips across marketing and branding every day. So get that done. Jason, thanks once again, sir. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> no dramas, dude. And we'll put all of those links over on the show notes over at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating on your podcast channel or subscribe on YouTube is always appreciated. And we shall catch you on the next one. Cheers for tuning in. Awesome. Thanks.